0: Well, wow, praise God, you know, there's uh, more and more of you coming back uh, physically, uh, as usual. Our second service, 8.30 service, is packed out, you know. And now I notice that even our first service, uh, we have to go up to the balcony. Normally we don't. So, thank you so much for coming back. And I noticed that also there's a lot of new people came up, to church now, people who have heard us online people who have followed us online, even way back to the Revelation series. I've had people coming back to see me and say, Pastor, I followed you in the Revelation series, which we did the book of Revelation in 2021, and then followed a church online, and today they're here physically. Thank you so much for joining us. Come on, let's give God a good clap. Offering. Those of you online as well, I know that for one reason, valid, valid reasons, you're not able to come we bless you that you're, you can join us in this service online, and we welcome you to hear the Word of God. Today, we begin on a new series on the Gospel of Luke. We will not be able to do chapter by chapter, because it's 24 chapters, it's very long. So what we'll do is that we'll take portions, really selected portions of Luke's Gospel, and then we will study it. So, I will do the review under the following headings. Number one, why do we in SIBKL choose to study the book of Luke now? Why not earlier? Why not later? This is the most appropriate time. Secondly, who was Luke? Why did Luke write his We uh, Oh, I forgot about this. Good point. Thank you, Isaac. Let me go stun. This one. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, I promised the young adults that I'm going to promote this. So if you are young adult, below 40 years old or something like that, all right, right, you join in. All right. how uh, come uh, disappeared. Huh? Okay. So, so there's a booth outside. All right. Today ends the early bird, right? Or oh, next week ends the early bird. Already many people have registered in. So if you're a young adult or you know your your son or your daughter-in-law or something like that, or your daughter to be in here, join in, you'll be blessed. Come on. Let's give God a clap offering for young adults and and the campus students. It'll be wonderful. All right, there they are. Praise God. And the good thing is they always sit in front there to add energy. Amen. Looking at them already give me lots of energy. Amen. Praise the Lord for you. I don't know about you. I feel energized, you know, by looking at them. Okay. Back to Luke. okay uh uh uh, not only i want to share with you why we study luke but why did luke write the gospel all right in the original why did he do that all right how did he get this material and what are the distinctives of luke's gospel not found in the other the other three gospels and then we will conclude okay now um why 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 do we study luke's gospel now in sibkl two reasons firstly I want to bring, we want to bring you back to a Christological focus, meaning it's so easy to keep on preaching from this pulpit year after year about God and the things of God, about love, about peace, about uh, how to become a good Christian, about ministry, serving, this kind of thing, worship, so and so, and yet miss out on the centrality of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that's exactly what has happened to many Christians. They focus on a lot of peripherals. Not, that, not that they are not important, they are important, but nothing is more important than Jesus Christ in our lives. When we do not focus intentionally, come back again to a Christological focus, the danger is that we preach oh, all round and round and round Jesus, but Jesus is not there. It's like a volumin or what do you call that, donut, hollow in the center, because Jesus is not the center of our lives, our family, our businesses, everything else is, that's disastrous. So today, from today onwards, in the next four months, we will bring the church back into a Christological focus, because this is so important when we Centre our thoughts and our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything falls in its rightful place, understand? The second reason is... now, Now, how many of you remember this in 2014? When we celebrated our 20th anniversary, how many of you were here right in this hall when we did this? Can you raise your hands in the balcony as well? 50%. 50%. Praise the Lord, 50%, right? And not all of you are here, right? That means we have grown by 50% in the last te- nine years. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering, amen? That's good. But next year, if 2014 was our 20th anniversary, 2024 will be our 30th anniversary. Make sure every one of you are here, it's going to be wonderful. Already we have started planning it already. We are started thinking, what are we going to do next year to celebrate our 30th anniversary? We are not 300 years old. Huh? We are only 30 years old huh? and God is here. Don't you come and let's give God a good clap offering for SIBKL, who is this year 29 years. Only 29 years, not 300 years. Alright, but God is with us. So, I remembered, we went back again to the centrality of Jesus Christ overarching this place we use the word honoring jesus and we will always do this in this church understand we are christ-centered bible-based spirit powered these are our core values so you come to our dna t you will hear me talk about what are our values what are our 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 vision okay and uh, that kind of thing okay so our core values that we are bible we are christ-centered we are not man-centered. We are Bible-based. All right, Bible is our manual. And then we are spirit-powered. We are not driven by man. Okay? So we honor Jesus. So again, we want to bring the church back to a Christological focus. The second reason is more very current and very relevant. Those of you who have followed us in this church for a few years now would have heard us say that it's a time for a transition in this church, meaning that in the next year or so, Pastor Lee Chu and I will hand over. There is a period of transition where we will hand over to our younger pastors, right, And so we want to learn how did Jesus transit from him to the disciples, to a new era. So there are principles for us to learn so that we also transit correctly, ma. We also transit biblically, ma. So this is what we do. We will learn how Jesus transited to the disciples so that they, they, they brought literally Christianity to the entire world. So you will notice that last year, we surfaced the name, the terms transition and transformation. And this year, we tamba and added one more uh, entity in it. Not only do, do we transit, not only do we transform, In the whole process of transiting, we want also to move forward to take frontiers. So, everybody say transition. Everybody say transition. Upsets as well. Everybody say transformation. Everybody say taking frontiers. Alright, you tell me. What are the three things? We are, we are. Everybody say three words we are. Transition. Taking frontiers. And so, we learn. How did Jesus do it? Because we are taking spiritual frontiers, not physical territory, spiritual front. How do we do that? So this we learn, these are the two reasons why we are studying Luke's Gospel in SIBKL now, and we'll do that for the next four months. Something generic about Luke's Gospel now, as we look at the overview, Luke's Gospel is the longest book in the New Testament All right, is the longest book, longer than Romans, longer than any other book in the New Testament. And Dr. Luke, who was a medical doctor, wrote Luke's Gospel, Volume 1. He also went on to write Acts of the Apostles, Volume 2. So, Acts of the Apostles is a continuation of Luke's Gospel. And if you add up the words, and the content of Luke's gospel and Acts' gospel, it makes Dr. Luke the most prolific writer in the entire Bible. No, not Bible. Entire New Testament. Not Bible, because Isaiah is longer, right? It's in the New Testament. Even longer than Paul. Alright? So if you add in some figures, the whole words and the content of Luke and Acts makes up 25.2% of the New Testament. Paul wrote more epistles, but shorter ones. It only accounts for 23% of the New Testament. And then I'm going to ask the same question. Who was the third most prolific writer of the New Testament? John, absolutely right, 21%. Sorry, no prize, Fiona. (laughs) Dr. Liu was a medical doctor. Colossians 4.14 Paul wrote, My dear friend Luke, the doctor. So we know that he was a doctor. But what kind of doctor? I will tell you later on, in my view, what specialty Dr. Luke specializes in. It's my perspective. Well, not only was he a medical doctor, he was also a historian. So he was very interested in history and also a writer. So if you add the three together, the first three, a doctor, a historian, and a writer, and you will see why God chose this man to write one of the four Gospels. Why? Because as a doctor, historian, and a writer, he will document things very accurately, like every good doctor would. Medical records, man. Right? I had to take very good history, right? So I had been taught uh, as a medical student by Professor D.K. Jan- Dhanaraj in a medical school in University of Malaya. I was the third batch of medical graduates way back in 1971, before any of you were born. Not any of you. Uh, most of, a lot of you were born. So Prof. Dhanaraj, every day, you know, drum into us. When you see a patient, uh, don't go and examine, first of all. First of all, take a good history. And not only take a good current history, take a good past history. And not only take a good past history, take a good family history. And not only take a good social history. History, history, history. history. So, we are taught, drum into us, keep good records. That's exactly what Dr. Liu did. He kept very accurate records, like every good doctor. And that's why God chose him to write one of his four Gospels. So a good friend of Paul. He traveled with Paul in the second and third missionary journey. And not only that, such good friends uh, that he even shared the same prison cell with Paul. Again, Colossians 4. Uh, sorry, uh, in uh, 2 Timothy, only Luke is with me. Where? Prison. So Luke, was actually imprisoned with Paul in the last days of Paul's life. Isn't it amazing? In the last days of Paul, could it be that Luke was the one that sent Paul off when he went to be beheaded? Paul, don't worry. God is with you. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But more important than all, all is very important, Luke was a Gentile. I'm not sure whether it's a Greek, but what my research tells me, he comes from Antioch, could be a Syrian Don't know. So he hails from Antioch, all right? So he was a Gentile. But why did God choose a Gentile to write the New Testament, the uh, gospel? In fact, he is the only Gentile author of the entire Bible. Why? Why did God choose Luke, a Gentile? to write one of the four Gospels because God wants us to read the Gospel of Jesus Christ from a Gentile perspective because Mark, John and Matthew were all Jews. All of us are Gentiles here. So there's a reason why when we study Luke's Gospel, it's very relevant to us because we now see who Jesus is from a Gentile perspective and that's what God wants That one of his four gospels must be a gospel for the nations. As nay. And that's how Luke ended. I'll share with you how Luke ended. Preach the gospel to the nations. That's the aim. That Luke's gospel is for all flesh. From a Gentile perspective, it's very, very important. And because Luke's gospel is for the Gentiles, and for all flesh, and for all nations, you find that Dr. Luke focused on five distinctive groups of people more than any of the other Gospel writers, if not distinctively or more. So what are these five groups of people that I find are very distinctively highlighted in the Gospel of Luke more than the other Gospels, if not the only time found in Luke. Number one, the Samaritans. Why? Because the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. So you don't see Samaritans mentioned at all or very much by Matthew or John or Mark because the Jews don't like the Samaritans. But not Dr. Luke. Why? Because the Gentiles. And God chose Dr. Luke to write the gospel and mention the Samaritans more than all the other gospels. For example, the parable of the Good Samaritan is only found in Luke. Why? Uh? Hey, didn't Matthew hear Jesus talk about it? Didn't John hear? Yeah, but they never wrote it. Only Luke put it down. Is it important? Very important. So can you imagine, if it it had not been Luke, uh, we would not know the parable of the good Samaritan, right? Praise God for Luke, right? Not only that, the healing of the ten lepers. Why? Because ten lepers were healed, only one came back to thank Jesus, and very specifically, in Luke chapter 17, he was a Samaritan. Whoa. Only a foreigner, a Gentile, not nine Jews, came to thank Jesus. Luke put it down. And then the only mention in the Gospels was when Apostle John and James went through a Samaritan village in Luke chapter 9, let me read this. It's a very significant point that I want to bring here, which I did not see until I saw it this time. So what happened in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, as the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So he's going to Jerusalem now in the final week of his life, and he sent messengers on ahead. And he went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for himself. But the people there did not welcome Jesus because he was heading to Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? I thought to myself, wow, so arrogant. Huh? Are you sure you call on fire, fire will come down. Huh? Do you want us to call down, not Jesus, you call, no. Do you want me to call or not? Wow, serious, huh? James, John, are you sure you'll come down or not? If they say, uh, Jesus, can you call or not? Jesus, God, ma? Huh? No. Hey, Jesus, uh, do you want me to call on fire or not? Fantastic. Jesus rebuked them. Jesus rebuked them. And this is where I found. In Acts chapter 8, when f- the fire of the Holy Spirit came down upon, finally upon Samaria, who did God send to Samaria to call down the fire of revival? James and John. So was their wish fulfilled? Yes, but not to destroy, but to empower. And the power. This is God. When you ask God, God send fire down. Why? It's just that you know that when James and John were sent to Samaria and they prayed and the fire of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon the people. Do you not think it reminded them of this incident? And they have repented big time. The second group of people that were very distinctive was the Gentiles. I told you already, so I will not labor on this except to say that because Luke was a Gentile, so every time he mentioned the kingdom, he says the kingdom of God. Why? Because as a Gentile, he can say God. Now, Matthew is a Jew, will not be able to say God. So he will say in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is near, unlike Luke who says, the kingdom of God is near, all right? That's because he was a Gentile The Third group is very interesting, the outcasts. And the reason why I thought that the focus of Luke's gospel more than the other gospels is on the outcasts was because, again, Luke was a medical doctor. And as a medical doctor, hey, you have to be compassionate, right? And not commercialized, all right? All right, you have to be a compassionate doctor, and I hope there are more compassionate doctors than there are more commercialized ones. All right, so as a doctor, we are. There must be taught that do no harm. Our Hippocratic oath: do no harm. The first thing is do no harm. I don't know whether it is still right, the Hippocratic. I remember during our time when we graduated, we had to go to the to the to the to the to the medical uh, uh, office, you know, in the Department of Ministry of Health. Every one of them, before we are issued a license to practice, uh, we are to sign a declaration of oath, Hippocratic oath. I don't know whether they do it nowadays. I don't know. Do no harm. So for Dr. Luke, as a compassionate doctor, more than Matthew, Mark, or John, he looks at the outcast. He says, God loves you. And therefore, he highlights the outcasts in his gospel. Like, for example, the lepers. The healing of the leper is only mentioned in Luke. And tax collectors, why? Because tax collectors were despised. They were the outcasts. The Jews don't like them. You never find the calling of Matthew in all the other, only in Luke. Why? Because the Jews hate the tax collectors. But not Luke. Luke is a Gentile. So the calling of Matthew is only found in Luke. And Zacchaeus, Luke 19, is only found in Luke. Why? Because Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Everybody hates sex-elected, but not Luke. Why? Because Luke is a Gentile. And he's a heart for the down and the outs and the despised. The shepherds. You know, the shepherds in the field is only mentioned in Luke, you know. Why? Because, again, the shepherds are the lowest in the social rank in the social hierarchy. Despised, not Luke. And finally, prostitutes. And this I find very interesting. More than all the other Gospels, Gospel of Luke focuses a lot on women. And this is where I think the specialty that Dr. Luke specializes in is is probably gynecology. <laughs> I am biased. I'm very biased. I'm very biased. because I'll tell you why I'm biased. I'm not so biased, biased, huh. I I feel it, for example, okay, it's only in Luke's gospel you find Mary's conception and birth. Serious? Why? Because only a gynecologist understands, man. Huh? And then only in Luke's gospel you find the fetus of John's of, of John the Baptist, alright, greeting Jesus as a fetus and they and they connected with one another. Only an obstetrician can, can, can think like that, right? That's why I know. Not I know. I think that Dr. Liu was an obstetrician and gynecologist, you see? And uh, and only that, Mary and Martha is only found in Luke. Only found in Luke. Luke 10. Ah, uh, that's why gynecologists, the women with gynecological problem, the woman with issue of blood, only found in Luke. Remember or not? Huh? Uh, the woman that remember that that issue of blood that that that, that's, that used all her money for 12 years. Marginal notes. He used, wasted all his money on doctors. Only doctors can write like that, right? <laughs> Only doctors can criticize doctors. Alright? So, I, I, I really believe, you know, I'm almost sure that he's a gynecologist. And the women weeping. So So, Luke focuses a lot on women. That's very interesting, okay? And the last group, the poor, the poor. Because Dr. Luke is a very compassionate person, and the and the gospel is a gospel for all flesh. For example, only in Luke's gospel do you see the incident of the widow's might. You don't remember Jesus was at a temple, people were putting in money. And Luke highlighted how the widow's might. so we focus on the, on the might mind, two mites, Poverty. But we forget also that it's a widow. You know how despised widows were? No husband, nobody cares for them. They are the down and outs of society. They were already so sad, husband died. And this man, is, this woman is not only a widow, but she's so poor that she gave everything. So Jesus says, this woman gave more than all of you, not because of her poverty alone, but because she's a widow. More so, she's a widow. In other words, God cares for the widows. He's a father to the orphans and a husband to the widows. So be very careful uh, you don't exploit any widow. Huh? You get Father God coming after you uh, on no end. Understand? Never exploit a widow. Be kind to them, love them, accept them. You know, I, I, I had a maternity home in Kota Kena Balu. I, so I, I own a maternity home, Pastor Lichio was a, was a pediatrician, I was obstetrician. So I delivered the babies and she made me look good, you know what I mean? She corrected all my wrongs. You know, and, uh, you know one of the reasons I believe why God blessed the practice for a good 10 years, I practiced privately. Out of 14, 11 years, uh, out of 14 years in KK, Saba, 11 years, was in private practice, so I had my own maternity home, you know, and I, I did very well. And one of the reasons why God blessed my practice, but not only because of many things, but I believe one of the main reasons was because one of my nurses, remember, uh, was widow. Her husband died in a car accident. She had three young children. I took her in, employed her, Gave her a place to stay on the top of my clinic, FOC, uh, FOC, and made sure she was alright. Made sure her children were okay. Made sure they were educated. I tell you something. I believe that because of this kindness and generosity, cause blessed back. Listen to me very carefully. Bless widows. You know there's a ministry in SIPKL that ministers to widows. You don't know that now, you know, huh? And widowers. After the first service, in in a couple of ladies came to me. They said, Pastor, I need help. So if you are a widow or a widower, we have a ministry headed by one of our members who herself went through similar circumstances, and now she has been built up in a spirit man, went through counselling courses, and she initiated this ministry to help any one of you. All right. So if you need help, either contact Pastor Lichu or contact the office, All right, and we will help you. The main, the main thing is this. Have a heart for the widows, the poor, foreigners that's why when SIBKL helps the poor the marginalized in our blessed ministry God is a happy one when SIBKL help the down and outs in our generasi Gambilang ministry our GG ministry touches the heart of God when SIBKL invest big time in the Sabah and Sarawak and build up the native church because they are poor God is a very happy one and we will continue to do that. Amen? Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. This is our calling. And what God has blessed us, we bless. We bless. Why? Because Jesus Christ himself was poor. Jesus himself was poor. So we must have a heart for the down and outs and the outcasts and the poor. Very important. Why did Dr. Luke write Luke's Gospel? So I shared with you why we study Luke's gospel, what are some of the distinctives of Luke's gospel in terms of the five groups of people that he highlighted? And now, this is a very important consideration in the overview. Why did Dr. Luke write Luke's gospel? All right, and here we look at the first four verses of Luke chapter 1. So let me read. Most Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, underlying eyewitnesses. Therefore, since I myself, Dr. Luke, have carefully investigated Remember, he's a doctor. Remember, he makes sure that he gives a thorough investigation, right? Before he prescribe or come to any conclusion or diagnosis. It is a doctor speaking, huh? This is a clinical clinician speaking, huh? So, I have therefore carefully investigated everything from the beginning. It seemed good to be also to me. To write down what? Not a haphazard account, but a very meticulously orderly account, like every good doctor writes for his medical records. He has researched, he has investigated, he has come to a conclusion, like every good doctor is. I'm going to write to you an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, but this is the reason why he wrote Luke's Gospel and he mentioned the same thing as he wrote Volume 2, Acts' Gospel. Certainty of what? Two things. Number one, Luke's Gospel, he writes the certainty of who Jesus is. Volume 1. And then, not enough. Volume 2. After Jesus has died, resurrected, what happens to his work, his church? The growth of the early church. Volume 2. So he writes two things to be very certain who Jesus is. Luke's Gospel. The growth of the early church. Acts Ex-apostle. To Theophilus. But who is Theophilus? Two suggestions, two opinions. Some people say that Theophilus is a generic term for believers. Theo, God, Phyllis, one who loves everybody. So Christians are supposed to be those who love God and love everybody. So could it be that Theophilus is a term that Luke used you write a generic gospel to everybody who loves God and who loves everyone. But not so. Why? Because it's not Theophilus, but the most excellent Theophilus. So in other words, possibly, is it a specific person? The term most excellent is only reserved for government, Roman high officials, probably a judge, probably. Theophilus was a high court judge. So why? So why does Dr. Luke write Luke's gospel to tell in no uncertain terms who Jesus is to Theophilus? And not only that, tell Theophilus in the book of Acts what happened in the book of Acts in the early church to tell him, hey, whatever Paul did and suffered is real. Jesus is real. He is a man and he is a God. Why, uh? Again, two opinions. One reason why Luke wrote to most excellent Theophilus is to help Paul in his trial, to try and influence his high court judge that whatever Paul went through is authentic, that Jesus Christ is real, possibly. And another possible reason is because of Luke and Romans um, and Acts. It paved the way for the advance and progression of the gospel to the entire Roman Empire. Because it begins with high officials. Possible. We don't know. We don't know for sure. But all we know is that Luke wrote Luke's gospel and Acts 2, most excellent Diophilus. How did he get his material? Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. Huh? So obviously, he got it by eyewitnesses. He, he, he said that already. Ma? Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, right? He, in other words, he interviewed them firsthand. That is the reason why he got the conception from who? Who did he interview? Mary. So Dr. Luke, probably, Dr. Luke was his, I don't know. You know what I mean? So, so he would probably have asked Mary, hey, tell me huh? how 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 would was... so he interviewed mary recorded it down and therefore he, all the material he got was by first hand recording eyewitnesses all right why because he was not one of the original 12 it is very important what are the contents that are distinctive to luke's gospel not found in all the other three gospels number 1 I'll re-share really this with you. Jesus' conception and birth through Mary is not found in any of the Gospels except in Luke. But what is most interesting, only found in Luke and not in the other Gospels, was the boyhood of Jesus Christ. Only in Luke uh, do we get the glimpse of how Jesus grew up. All the other apost- the, 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 the birth and then man. Thirty years. What happened to Jesus? What happened? We don't know. But Luke, give us a glimpse of the boyhood of Jesus Christ. And let me now refer you to this incident in Luke chapter 2, which Pastor Isaac already mentioned yesterday. I thought it was such a very important point. I want to borrow it from him. Heaven asked your permission. No copyright in God's kingdom, right? It was when Jesus, at 12 years old, was lost. For three days. And as Pastor Isaac said, uh, just as well, uh, that Mary and Joseph are not Asians. Uh. If Asians may scold you nicely, man. Uh, uh, it's true. Uh. You lose your child for three hours, you panic. Uh. Three days, you know. The first thing is say, why are you stupid, are you? No, 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 no. Mary said, do you not know that your father and I are looking for you. Very gentle. right? Very gentle. one. Asian not slap you nicely, man. Three days. And they found Jesus in a temple. Why? At 12 years old, up to today, every Hebrew boy goes through a ceremony called the Bar Mitzvah. In one of our trips to Israel, we were fortunate to enter into the middle of a Bar ceremony in front of the Western Wall. At 12 years old, every Hebrew boy now becomes a man. He's allowed now to enter the synagogue. That's why he was in the synagogue. And not only that, at 12 years old, a a 12-year-old boy can be a partner in the father's business. So therefore, when they found Jesus in the synagogue, what was he doing? He was discoursing with the rabbis, and he was so amazed at his wisdom. And Jesus then replied to his mother, Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? 12 years old. Whose father? Not Joseph, my heavenly father's business. Do you not know that when I came to earth, it's not so that I can be Joseph's son. I am the son of the living God. But the amazing thing is, wow, this is it. He went down to Nazareth with them after this, and he was obedient. You just said you are a son of the Father in heaven. And now you're obedient to your earthly parents. Wow. Isn't it amazing? And because of his obedience, he did not enter ministry till 30 years old. So he's still at 18 more years. He was obedient. He submitted himself his earthly parents, and my point is this, if Jesus, the Son of God, can submit himself and obey his parents, don't you think we should? And because of this, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and the favor of God was upon him. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. At 12 years old, Jesus spoke like an adult man. And I say this with all my love, that many of us adult men still speak like little boys. And I got this quotation. The only difference between a man and a boy is the price of his toys. Think about it. What else is distinctive in Luke's Gospel? Three incidents. You don't find it in other Gospels, and that is Mary's conception, I told you, Jesus' boyhood and Jesus' baptism. Why? If you compare Jesus' baptism, it's found also in Mark and Matthew. There was one word that is only found in Luke. And that stood up to me. And that is the word Jesus prayed. Only found in Luke. So when he entered the water of baptism, he did not take it for granted, but he prayed. And when he prayed, heaven opened and the dove fell on Jesus and he was empowered. And again, my question to you is this. If Jesus as a man had to pray so that the power of God can rest upon us, how come you and I don't have to? How come? Don't you think that if the Son of God as a man before he went into the wilderness to be tempted, before he went into the synagogue to begin his ministry, that he prayed and heaven opened and the Holy Spirit came down upon him, do you not think that all of us should value prayer? That's why you must come to the prayer altar. Because it is at the prayer altar that you learn to pray and I don't know about you, sometimes it's very difficult to pray on your own. I don't know, even for me. Sometimes I find that because of the rigors of ministry and all the demands, sometimes I, I, I'm dry. Yeah, you're dry. Yeah, I'm dry. So, so I have to read God's Word. I have to make sure that I'm fed. Hey, I, I feed you. Or who feeds me? More? So I must make sure that I'm fed because I cannot give what I don't have, right? So I come to prayer meeting. For who? For myself. So that I get filled once again. Listen. Come. If you are serious about your spirituality this year, you have to make time to come to the prayer altars because Jesus prayed and the Holy Spirit came to empower him to minister. And that goes the same for all the leaders and pastors. So, that's distinctive. And three other incidents that are distinctive, not found in other Gospels, like the miraculous catch of fish, the dying thief, only found in, the dying thief only found in Luke's Gospel, and the two disciples' journey to the book, to Emmaus. Again, that's only found in Jesus now. What is distinctive? Can I have the the, 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 the worship team on stage now? The parables of Jesus, and this is where. Sorry, Isaac. When Isaac spoke yesterday, he said that I challenge you to to list down all the parables that are distinctive to Jesus. And the first person that goes to him will give you a prize. So now, yesterday, and say, so all together, 2,000 of you go and get a prize from Pastor Isaac. Because there are nine parables that are distinctive to Jesus, to this gospel. So now you know, alright? So you go to Isaac and get your prize, poor Isaac. So there are nine parables. All right, what to do? I I I spoon feed you all, but is it? There are nine parables that are not found in all the other gospels except Luke. I want to highlight the last one. I deliberately put the last one. Everything was in chronological in order except the last one. Why? Luke chapter sixteen. The parable of Lazarus and the rich man why is it that I highlight this because in this parable Jesus talked about Lazarus the only parable where Jesus put a name normally there is a gardener there is a sower very generic but in this parable there is a man called Lazarus. Probably a real person. Everybody knows who Lazarus is. And Jesus turned into a parable. Lazarus died. He went to heaven. The rich man died. Went to hell. My point is this. That is frightening. If Jesus says there is a hell, So over the years, I have debated, questioned by intellectuals from Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard, MIT, or people who are things that they know better and think, how can a God of love send people to hell? I don't know. But if Jesus says there is a hell, you agree or don't agree. Whether you can be the top student of Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, MIT, all add up in the world, it doesn't matter. Whether you agree or don't agree, as I help. And it is frightening. Listen to me very carefully. I come to a close. When we took the I don't want you only to hear good stories, good sermons. I want you to translate that into action. When Jesus Christ says there is a help, musical that we did that won the Bo Cameron Award for the best musical in Malaysia at the time. What passage of scripture was it based on? I said the parable of the Great Banquet, look into it, so I went back. And this is the verse that encapsulates Luke's Gospel to me. Jesus says, go to the highways. are people who don't want to come to my banquet. I invite you. The king invites you. You say I got no time. we begin to study the book of Luke in the coming weeks and months. My prayer for all of us is that we will come back to a Christological focus and make Jesus Christ the center of our lives once again. The center of your family, center of your business, so that you will never do anything to put him to shame, understand? So that when people look at you, they see you are a Christian As we study Luke's gospel, may we now lift our standards to a higher level? More importantly, live a life that is Christ-like and honoring to Jesus Christ and bring as many people the highways and the byways so that my is different from ending. You can conclude, but how does it end? Luke's Gospel ends like this. You see, in Luke 24, that's how Luke concludes. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to in His name to all the nations. That's the conclusion. But how does it end? It ends with the ascension. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and Jesus blessed them. And while he was blessing them, Jesus ascended into heaven. And I want to believe that as Luke ends with the ascension and he began with the ascension in Acts chapter 1, it tells me one thing. That Jesus Christ is alive today. The cry of the early church when they went around in Acts was not the church is so great. It's not because there are miracles. No, they went around with only one message. Jesus Christ is alive. Come on, let's give God a good clap. Out, Shall we do that? Jesus Christ is alive. That's why we meet today. That's why we, we, we take communion. Because He is ascended and as He ascended, He blessed. And I want to believe that Jesus looks down over heaven as we study more about Him. Become more Christological focused. I want to believe that some You know one thing about aspirin revival is, it is they are Christological focus, they minister to Jesus, they have radical humility, ethnic unity, supernatural hunger. These are the three criteria they have, so that a nameless generation can now come out, no celebrity, and revival swept into aspirin, and we do the same. I want to believe that SIPKL could very well be the epicenter of revival in Malaysia. Do you believe that? You must have radical humility, ethnic unity, supernatural hunger, and overarching it all. Big Jesus. all heads bound, all eyes closed. I'm going to make three other calls. Number one, all heads bound, all eyes closed. I know it's still the overview only. But if there's anyone here who has yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour publicly, publicly, I want you to put your hands up in a shower. Why? Because even as we begin this study of who Jesus is, Means anything to you if you belong to Him, understand? If not, it's just a theoretical exercise. So, if there's anyone here, both in the balcony as well as down here, who have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at the counter of three, you raise your hands so high enough for me to see. In in SMCC, you have one salvation. Praise God, heaven rejoice, understand? So, I want to give you an opportunity. If anyone here, both in the balcony as well, no one looking around, you are safe in this place. But even as you hear the word of God in the overview, you know, and you know that today is your day of salvation, at the count of three, you raise your hands. Lord, high enough for me to see, and our people will either come to you, all right? We will not embarrass you, understand? all right? At the count of three. one, two, three. No one yes sir I see you sir It's you that hand what I want to reach uh, on my right anybody else anybody i looking at the floor anyone to join this gentleman anybody else you have not yet made a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ first time you do it anybody else anybody at the balcony just raise your hands just high enough for me to see but more importantly God sees you understand Make a commitment. You have heard Jesus many times, but today you want to say, Jesus, I accept you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. You're right. You put your hand down. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I see you and I left. I see you and I left. Anybody else? Anybody else? Any balcony? Look again. All right. Thank you. Someone will come to you, huh? somebody come to you you don't have to come up somebody come to you ma'am okay stay where you are somebody will come to you to teach you the second thing I want to know is this I want you all to make a commitment again don't do it if you don't feel like it as the word of God is being preached you know that over the past year or years maybe during the pandemic Jesus is no longer the centre Many things have taken his place. Could be your work. Could be your family. Could be your finances. Could be ministry, even. I don't know. But in many ways, you have lost your first love today. At the outset of Luke's gospel, I want you to recommit your life once again to Jesus Christ. If you want to do that. You stand. By standing, you say to me and to God, Yes, Lord. I want to make my life count for Jesus. Yes, Lord. I repent. I want to come back to you big time. I want to put you first in my personal life. I want to put you first in my family. I want to put you first in my business, in my relationships, in my career path. Maybe I have pursued my career path far too much in intensely that I only come to you when I need you. But no, Lord, no. But from day onwards, I come to you first. You want to do that? You stand. And I want to believe that even as you make the commitment intentionally to Jesus, not to me, the Lord will help you. And you will find that by the end of this year, you have grown to love Jesus even more. Why? Because you have the desire. You have the hunger. So if you want to then, you stand. No one looking around. You stand on the balcony as well. Let me pray for you. There are people standing. People are still standing. i will waiting. No compassion. You stand because you have a hunger and a desire to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. The balcony as well. You just stand don't do it if you don't want to nobody's going to judge you understand you can stand as a family we can stand as husband and wife we can stand whatever it is i'm going to be a little bit longer i'm going to be a little bit longer because people are still standing thank you jesus in the balcony as well thank you Lord. thank you so in jesus name I commit every one of these dear people who are standing in your presence down here and up in the balcony as well. Father, they don't do it for sure. They really want to love you, to honor you, put you first in their lives once again. So God, I want to ask you I'm going to open the altar for prayer. Even as we sing this song now in closing, any one of you with needs, we pray. i tell you why I opened this prayer. One thing that struck me is this. Is Dr. Luger, a medical doctor, recorded down so many miracles of healing. And if a doctor records down miracles of healing, they are healed, right? an ordinary person. He's a medical doctor. If the leprosy is healed, the leprosy is healed. If that woman with an issue of blood is healed, that woman with an issue of blood is healed. That's why it's credible. So it tells me that Jesus Christ does heal. So I'm going to open the altar for any one of you who really believe you have any physical ailment, any disease not only in your body but also you know someone that we together believe like dr leo that because jesus christ is alive and is here today he's here to heal Would you it? any one of you wants prayer? you come forward and let's believe that the outset of this gospel healing will take place in your body or as you pray and in the sea for somebody else all right we're going to sing the final song in this prayer you come forward and allow us to pray for the balcony as well this is uh, all the call for healing whether it be physical emotional or mental hallelujah let's all stretch our hands to the Lord as we close shall we do that it's an act of surrender I always say that when we stretch our hands to God you know with both hands like a funnel it ends in your heart Every you stretch your hands to Him, is an act of reception, act of yielding, act of surrender. You surrender your situation to God. Surrender what troubles you to God. God will come. Understand? So Lord, we surrender. We surrender. In many ways, we have come to the end of our wits, account the sack. We have tried so many human solutions, but it doesn't seem to work. But today, we yield, we surrender. in the coming weeks and days as we go through the book of Luke God will begin to open up doors windows opportunities breakthroughs healings restoration redemption Amen because this is a year of redemption and the year will restore back to you the Lord will restore back to you the years the locus of Eden So may the lord bless you and keep you this day may the lord make his face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Thank you. As ministry continues at the front, please feel free to come forward and give us permission to pray for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week as we continue the study of the Luke from next week onwards. God bless you.